Welcome to the world of The Last of Us, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for the Naughty Dog video game series and the upcoming HBO television series. I'm your host Matthew and this is my review for The Last of Us Part 1 which is the PS5 2022 remake of the PS3 2013 game, also remastered for PS4 in 2014. Uh, so even though this is a dedicated Last of Us podcast, it's our World of the Last of Us podcast for The Last of Us, um, I thought it would be better, uh, at least I'm going to find it better I suppose, to still do spoilers in the second half of this podcast, because um, how I can simply break this down is if you're somebody, because there's going to be different audiences towards this game, which is an interesting thing, if you're somebody who um, hasn't played The Last of Us or has and wants to know like what's my opinion on kind of okay what what is the is the game any good you know gameplay and animations and graphics and all that sort of stuff so I'm gonna basically what I'm basically gonna do is talk about the gameplay elements and my general thought thoughts first and then take the usual break and then we're gonna get into like story specific stuff and themes and characters and you know plot and all that sort of thing so um so yeah even though it's a dedicated last of us podcast um i think it would just make sense for me to record it this way uh so the last of us part one did i enjoy it or did i not um i thought this game was fantastic i really really did and in terms of uh, answering the question, sort of, is this game worth $70 slash £70, depending on where you buy it and where you live? To me, it is. But if, for you, you have either no interest in the series, or if you have already played the game on PS3 or PS4, and if you are sitting there and thinking, okay, I enjoyed the gameplay and the story, but you don't want to go back to it, you don't feel that need to go back to it, then you probably don't need to buy a PS5 version. But if you've got a bit of that sort of, hey, revisit this game, you know, in all of its new kind of glory, then maybe it will be. Uh, there's also the other alternative, which is if you do want to return to this game and you do want to play The Last of Us 1, but the Part 1 PS5 version... But you don't want to pay the seventy. Um, wait for a sale. Wait for it to. I don't know. It, it depends what your urgency level is to play this. Like, are you willing to wait for maybe a Christmas sale? Wait a couple of months. Wait maybe a couple of years. This game might be on one of the forms of PS Plus in a few years. Um, if you're a PC gamer, uh, it might be different price by the time that comes out on PC. So that there's different elements at play. But to answer that question from my perspective, yes, I think it is. Um. Yeah, that that's just my, my simple answer. But in terms of me, my money, how I'm spending it, how I value this game, to me it was. So that's, again, I can only answer that question in my sort of way. I, I can't answer that question for you. It depends on how you look at the series. Do you think this game's worth it? Did you play it on PS4? Um, or maybe you're at a case where you've got a PS4, you've bought this game, but it's been in your backlog. Um... If you've bought this game on PS4 and you already have your PS4 and you haven't played it, you probably don't need to buy this version of the game, even though this to me is the definitive way to play this game because it's the best version of this game, because it's the most up-to-date, it's got all the bells and whistles of current-gen stuff. Um, But if you do, let's say, own this game on PS4 in some way, shape or form, 
and you haven't played it yet, then probably, yeah, play the PS4 version of the version that you've already bought. But again, I can't do that for you or answer that for you. I can only answer that question from my own perspective. Um, But if you're somebody who is looking at this podcast as a recommendation thing of like, okay, not really jumped into The Last of Us, you have a PS5, should I jump in? I would say yes. That would be my answer to that question. Um, but it depends on what you're willing to spend on the game and how you view each version because maybe you might see the PS4 version of the game at a cheaper price. You'll still get the same story. You won't get it in the definitive, you know, best way, but um, you'll still get that powerful story. So it's up to you what you want to... It has to be up to you what you want to do with that. But in terms of for me, I really, really love this game. Um, having gone through it twice, obviously one for the just normal story run and the other for the collectibles run, I do have the platinum for this game, that does include Left Behind. I am not going to be talking about Left Behind in this review, I am going to be doing that as a separate review. Um, There might be little things I touch upon from Left Behind, but for that individual Riley and Ellie story, I think that deserves its own thing, because there's things to break down about that as well even though it's a much more shorter story it's still got some important individual things for me to discuss and i just want to say as well uh, i've got a bunch of notes here um if there's things i think of later to talk about or when i'm going to do my twitch playthrough replay through this game so i've got me playing it on youtube and stuff if there's other themes or things or notes or things i notice that pop up I will probably do like separate episodes on those if there's other things that I've sort of missed or whatever um, or or new things to think about or if a character if a character says something or something happens and a little bell goes off in my mind and think okay I want to talk about that I'll just simply use our Last of Us podcast to do separate episodes so for example if there's something that like Tess or Bill or Marlena says in this game that makes me think, oh, that makes me think of this topic. I'll probably just do like a character spotlight for them and include that in there. So there probably is things I maybe haven't thought about after two playthroughs. Because um, the difference here is I played Last of Us 2 six times for obviously like permadeath, grounded, uh, collectibles, first playthrough, all that type of stuff. Um, and my YouTube playthrough for that. So I went through that game more times than I've gone through for this one. So when it came around to Last of Us 2's two year anniversary, and um, I played it a bunch of times. I had like more things that open up in my mind because again, I played it through a bunch of times. But again, we'll just go through the the notes and things that we've got here for this particular review because we've still got plenty to discuss. Indeed. Um, so uh, it's how am I going to kind of break this down? So I'm going to talk about gameplay first, the good stuff, the haptic feedback, animations, graphics, um, those sorts of things. There is, and I mentioned this on yesterday's uh, Last of Us trailer breakdown, which I did a separate episode for that for yesterday, so it's a bit of a Last of Us week, if you will. There was something that I said, because I was giving the trailer a lot of praise, and sometimes you want to have a bit more of a balanced approach to things, and I was trying to think, you know, during that trailer of like, is there anything I don't like, and there wasn't. Um, so I couldn't, like, give more of a negative review of that, I I suppose. There's kind of a glaring, one big glaring, not issue, but problem that this game does have. And 
I love Naughty Dog games, I love The Last of Us, but that doesn't mean I have a bias towards the series. Um, it means I genuinely enjoy those games more than other people, but I don't want to come across as if I'm like, you know, biased and, you know, The Last of Us and Naughty Dog can't do any wrong because there is something in this game, I might as well just go to it first now that I'm alluding to it. Um, the melee combat is um, terrible in this game. Now there was there was two features which were introduced in Last of Us Two that people wondered about. Like, okay, you're remaking Part One. Are you going to include those two things? Those are the dodge mechanic and the going prone mechanic. Uh, you can't do either of those in this game. I realised um, so specifically with the prone mechanic that um, the level design of the Last of Us One is designed around crouching. It's not designed around going prone. If you notice specifically with the level design, the way the levels are actually designed, The Last of Us Part 2 specifically has levels that have got tall grass for Ellie to hide in. And it's designed around that. The Last of Us Part 1 doesn't have that. Um, you could make the argument, I guess, about like, hey, could you have just included it and like added some tall grass? It's, that would have changed the level design and... You're already going to be fine if you play this game the way it was kind of intended. Which was... Because Joel, to control him, is much more of a slow, methodical, brute type character. Ellie is... To, to me, the difference, the major difference between the two is Ellie is much more of the agile, faster, quicker character. That she can run and she can dive and she can lay down and she's very, very quick. Joel is not quick, but Joel has got the brute aspect behind him. So I think that's where the major differences come in there. Um, I, I could talk a bit more about the pro mechanic in, in, in a little bit, because there's some other things I want to say. Uh, so let's get, let's get my big problem out of the way with this game. Um, the combat encounters, so when you've got, obviously, an enemy is punching you, or obviously, well, you can do melee combat against the clicker, but you have to have a pipe or whatever. It's not very good it's 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 really frustratingly bad actually i think um now the the interesting part about that is there were only about three two or three encounters in this game where the enemy basically the enemy struck me first at playing as joel and you can't do anything about it uh you can't block you can't dodge I think the idea is supposed to be, and again, this is this is the one kind of like glaring issue, and it didn't like sort of um, derail my experience of this otherwise amazing game because these were, you know, in my ten or twelve hours of the, or the first playthrough or whatever, there was maybe three inst instances where this would happen, but it was really really frustrating at the time, and it really took me out at the moment. Um. Because there were, there were points in this game where, like, I think I remember the other day, um, what was I doing? I think I was trying to get the break weapons trophy or something like that. And an enemy came up to me with a pipe and whacked Joel to the body or to the head, whatever, twice. And you can't do anything about it. I think the idea is supposed to be you have to hit them first. Because to be fair... If you do hit an enemy first, you probably will kill them without them being able to get a hit on you. But 
you can't really sort of control that. Because um, the, the first time that this happened, the first instant instance, and I went into I went into the game thinking, okay, there is no dodge mechanic, there is no pro mechanic. The pro mechanic is a different thing. That's more to do with navigating the level. So what's the alternative? I remember looking at the controls and it was just square attack, and that's it. Um, so I'm really surprised by Naughty Dog not having a solution to that. Because um, even though, because as I said, Joel's more of like a brute force character. He's very, he's a very, very strong, big man. Um, and you can punch the shit out of people and like kick them and smack them into things. And that that's where his, you know, brute force kind of comes in. But if the enemy hits you first, um, you're in trouble. Because I remember, because I think I played the whole game, like the whole time I played on moderate, I think. Uh, which is like the middle um, difficulty. An enemy hit me twice with a pipe. And I was at, I think, like 90% or full health. And my health went down to red. And the, gu- the guy stopped hitting me after two hits. So he smacked me twice with, the, or smacked Joel twice with the pipe. And I was like, oh, this sucks. I can't. I'm pressing the. I'm pressing like different buttons. I'm trying to press like does triangle do anything? The circle X. Nothing did anything. You're locked. You're kind of locked a bit into an animation. And uh, but after he stopped hitting him twice, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't just finish the guy off. But once he stopped hitting me twice, I was able to use Joel's brute force nature again and kill the guy. The problem was there was enemies around me, and I got shot straight away, and I died. So. Again, I'm not biased. I'm pointing out like a, a admittedly pretty big flaw in this other, in this otherwise really amazing game. Um, but because yeah, the, the the two upgrade things was like okay, will we be able to go prone, um, and do the dodge mechanic? The the, the dodge mechanics are much much bigger deal because it, it it either should have been a case where you include the dodge mechanic, which why can't do, why can't John just dodge out of the way? Why can't he? Or an alternative, like, can Joel put his arms up and block the guy? Can he tackle him to the ground? Some other kind of combat. It doesn't just have to be dodge. You can do, like, counters in in certain games. Uh, If you think of different, like, sword fighting games like The Witcher or Assassin's Creed, you can do different counter moves. And I know Joel's not sword fighting, but you you get my point. Um, But I'm I'm really surprised that that was just kind of left as it was. Um, Because when I played through... Last of Us, uh, Last of Us remastered the PS4 version back in like 2016 or something. Um, I don't remember how any of those combat encounters encounters went. I don't, I don't remember. That was like a long time ago. Um, but I'm surprised that they didn't put in an alternative for that. The, the pro mechanic, on the other hand, is not an issue at all. I, I, I never once sort of felt like, oh, I really need to go prone here. Um, because I kind of adjusted to it and adjusted to the level design. And I was totally fine after that, but yeah, when when a couple of the guys in this game were like whacking Joel and I can't do anything, um, yeah, it's it it's it feel it it's not good. It, it's not not good. Um, the one of the other incidents I had, obviously, you don't really like do combat against a clicker. You either, you you either whack a clicker or it eats you or doesn't eat you. Otherwise, or it bites you. There was a couple of times where, like, I came across um, a group of runners. And again, because Joel's a little bit more on the slower side, I initially, okay, run away. 
And I thought, okay, I'm going to run away, get myself a bit of distance, which is a decent tactic. Turn around and try to whack them or shoot them. And I pulled out Joel's revolver, uh, went to shoot the enemy. And the enemy was a bit close. So, okay, I had not timed it right. The enemy was a bit close. Combat encounter started. This runner is, like, jumping all over Joel and smacking him around the head and all this kind of stuff. Couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything about it. And I, I think, what was it that happened? Because this was a runner and they're obviously more aggressive than actual humans. Um, I sort of very awkwardly did, like, a 90-degree turn... Is it 90 degrees? I I did like an about turn kind of thing. And like awkwardly ran away, turned around and shot him. Um, because even though I could have done a melee attack after that, it was like this this runner was going, like you know, it's a runner. It's this wild character. Um, dead like all over you. And I thought, okay, I need, I need, I need, to, I need to do what I just did but better, which is run away and... Yeah, it, it it was really really awkward. I thought so. That that's the the only one glaring problem with this game is the melee combat. And again, it only happened like two or three times during my entire roughly twelve hour playthrough. Um, there was several times when I had to get the upper hand on either a runner or a clicker or a person and smash the shit out of them and kill them and like you know crack the skull open or whatever. And that was great. That was great. But there really should have been either a dodge mechanic or an alternative to it. There really, really should have been because it it's it was quite it threw me off quite a bit. Like doing all these great gameplay encounters, and then I just have this awkward encounter where it's like, oh, I can't like dodge or counter. I I, I can't do anything about this. I have to like let the enemy hit me and awkwardly sort of run off. Um. Yeah, so, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why they didn't include a dodge mechanic or, or, or something of the equivalent, um, I'm really not sure. I'm not sure what the idea was supposed to be when it came to melee encounters, whether it was literally just supposed to be sort of, um, you got to hit them first, and that's it. <laughs> so, I don't know, it, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a problem with this game, um, so... There's that. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was my one big problem with the game. Um, again, it didn't derail my experience. I still love this game. I still think it's amazing, apart from that. And as I was playing it, and those encounters come up, and I thought, I have to mention this on my review. I can't just, like, not mention it. It's, it's, a, it's something that didn't work properly. Um, so yeah. Uh, other gameplay stuff. Um, let's get into some of the good stuff. Haptic feedback and uh gameplay and stuff um one of the things i really really like about the gameplay and again this is the taking advantage of the ps5 this is the um yeah taking advantage of that uh, of that technology and taking advantage of haptic feedback and everything like that um i would notice i would notice a lot of little clicks and bumps and and things like that with haptic feedback one example which I found to be really, really great, was if you've got Joel's revolver and he has to put one bullet in at a time, because that's how that works. And you would get just these little nudges of haptic feedback of the tick, 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 tick. So when he's putting the, the bullets back in, obviously 
if it's one bullet or two, three, four, five, six, he would do the amount that's that's required. But your controller would do these little bits of haptic feedback um, when that would come up. So that was that was really really great. And then obviously you know haptic feedback when uh, you shoot and things like that. So that was great. Um, and with pretty much most of the guns in the game or all of the guns in the game, um, whenever you would do like a shoot or reload or something like that you would get little clicks and nudges for like, you know, for, for example with the pistol you take the magazine out, you put the magazine back in, maybe you pull the chamber thing back, you would get little little nudges of that. Um, I found that to be really um, interesting, really, really good kind of uh, thing to, to include in this game. So I thought that was great. And again, you know, you remake this game for PS5, you have a haptic feedback DualSense controller with haptic feedback on it and adaptive triggers. Um... So take advantage of it, and they did, and they did a really, really good job of that. Uh, one of the kind of highlighted versions of that is uh, with the shotgun, um, and you get like obviously because you're you're um, pumping the shotgun after each shot, you would get because that's a bit of a bigger physical thing than like slotting bullets into a revolver. You would get like a clunkier kind of haptic feedback response you'd get like a little thing that goes with it so that was really really good i really enjoyed that as well um haptic feedback with the workbench was great every single little sort of like if joel was using a nail file or, or if joel not a nail file what one of the filing things or if he was like brushing a gun or taking something off of it you'd get all these little brushes and scrapes and knocks and all, all, all the little bits and pieces of it so I found that to be really, really quite great as well. Um, again, it's just it's just those little extra touches of immersion um, that I thought were really fantastic. And um, to include it with the workbench makes sense. You know, you have you have Joel doing something very physical, which is he's got all these metal parts and bits and bolts and things like that. And obviously, you're using like screwdrivers at certain points. You're using like wrenches at certain points. You're using the file at certain points. Um, and with kind of specifically the let's say the file for example he would like file part of a gun down to do something to it and you would feel that in like a particular way and it would feel like it sounds kind of bad but it would feel like somebody's um filing your controller <laughs> in a way or that like that's kind of happening to your controller but the whole point of that is to to feel that um if you want to meet a bit more of discussion from me about haptic feedback, I think it was last week or the week before I did a separate episode talking about um, how haptic feedback, specifically for the DualSense, is such a game changer. Because um, it it literally will make you play and feel, specifically feel, the games that you play in, in, in a completely different way. To something I've never experienced before. So um, I'm just kind of explaining like how that specifically applies to this game with, with different elements. So that was brilliant. Uh, that was really, really good. Um, I, I did little other things like when you'd open a door or you'd you'd pull a drawer open or, or you know that those little those little bits of interaction they were really, really great. Um, one other really great aspect to that as well is um, you could do and I, I was amazed by this when when I first switched the option on. I can't remember what it's called. It's in the accessibility options. There is an option for. Um, in and out of cutscenes, so also during gameplay, whenever a character is talking, so whether it's an NPC enemy, whether it's an NPC that's with you, maybe it's Joel himself, Ellie herself, whoever, if someone's talking, and you have to you have to switch on a specific option for it, 
you can feel you know like the the touch of when you touch someone's throat when when you or somebody else is talking and you, you touch a throat as that person is talking and you get that little bit of vibration you can feel that in the controller and you it's not just like one flat sort of frequency of vibration and that's something that's also so, so good about haptic feedback is you get different like variety of vibrations you get different frequencies of vibrations all that type of thing and um it would depend on the distance of the person so if ellie's a bit more further away or closer to you or if tess or bill or any of the other characters or if it was a cutscene and a character is a bit more off in the corner or they were walking closer towards you or if it's usually joel is front and center uh, or ellie's front and center and the 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 it will judge itself that the vibration will be judged off of the character's tone of voice their volume and their distance so if there's like if you go into a stealth encounter and there's an enemy that's off a little bit in the distance you'll get a smaller vibration because they're a bit more off in the distance and then as they get if if obviously you let them get closer or whatever um it will start to get a little bit louder or if a character's like hey spotted the guy or whatever whatever he would say like if you alert the enemy that will be a bit louder so that would be really cool um one thing i really like about that as well is um obviously the combination of that with something like 3d audio so if you had again maybe a stealth encounter where you're trying to see see, see the enemies around you trying to observe your environment and uh if you had like an enemy above you an enemy on your left enemy on your right not only will you still get the 3d audio thing of like hey i can hear an enemy on my left enemy on my right enemy slightly above me enemy in front of me obviously that's helpful so that you know where the enemies are that you're going to plan to kill or go past depending on what you want to do you'll get a combination of the let's call it throat vibration sort of thing chat vibration you'll get a mixture of that with the 3d audio with them chatting and obviously you know a bit more advanced npcs they're a bit more sort of intelligent and that sort of stuff so even just simply during those moments of um you know you get to a new area you're observing where can i take cover who do i shoot etc 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 um that's like that extra little piece of um just immersion like you can you can kind of feel your enemy talking in that situation or if you've got an an npc with you like let's say tess or ellie and they're like hey i'm gonna sneak off to this or do do whatever or, or like hey joel enemy on your enemy on your right if they say it lighter or in a louder tone or if like ellie's shouting and saying hey it's an enemy on your right joel or something like that you'll hear that louder you'll also hear the audio from ellie on your left or your right or wherever um as well as the gunshots and things like that so it just added that little bit more of um what do you call it of just that extra level of immersion extra sort of detail in the game so the haptic feedback again a very very welcome addition successful again in yet another game um so that was really good that was really really good um i'm trying to think of other haptic feedback examples but it was mainly with the with the chat stuff uh like with the dialogue um with the reloading with the workbench uh also with the crafting as well so if you were to craft a nail bomb or or, or a um uh what do you call it Me medical kit thing health pack health kit thing um you would get like little things for that um and that would be kind of specific to what it was so if you for example if you're crafting a molotov and that's going to have a bottle full of alcohol with obviously the rag in it you'll get a little glug 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 thing like that through your controller and 
it's, it's so again, it's so interesting the way that it's done because there's three kind of different ones I can kind of mention. One of which is let's say you're crafting the health pack, and you'll get like a you'll get little sort of bandage things in there, and then you'll get this little tear at the end. Um, then also if you're uh, crafting a nail bomb because that's like scissors and blades and all that type of stuff, you get this sort of like tinny sort of metal feedback and sound. That one's a little bit more harder to describe, but that that sort of thing. Like imagine imagine you've got a tin circle container and it's empty and all you're putting in there is like knives, blades, you know, scissors, things like that. It's gonna make that metal clangy sort of sound and it does that and it does that through the controller as well. So that was really cool. And the other one like I just mentioned is when you're crafting a Molotov and you'll get the little glug glug glug. But your control your controller will also have the haptic feedback on that is it's interesting. It doesn't feel like your controller's filling up with liquid. It kinda has this sort of I don't know. Your controller has this temporary bit of weight to it as if it's being filled up by liquid. It's it's very, very interesting the way that it's done. Um kind of the understandable fortunate unfortunate part of that is once you start upgrading things and specifically faster crafting the haptic feedback will still happen it will just happen a bit quicker because the time is reduced on that so that that's a little bit unfortunate but uh, you kind of get used to that and that's a bit more understandable so those are some really really good ones that you could do as well uh, so that's some of the other haptic feedback so yeah it's through crafting through the workbench through shooting through reloading um putting things together that that type of stuff and obviously through through the uh conversations in the game as well so that's some um, uh, really really good stuff as well um so all, all of that i liked all of that i really really liked melee combat's not good but that stuff i really really liked so that's that was really really good um so that's kind of the the gameplay stuff um in in terms of like the general things in terms of you know what does it feel like to move and shoot and other stuff like that um Again, you're going back to Last of Us 1's level design. Um, so this is where I need to bring back the, the prone discussion. There's a lot more kind of... The, the game is very, very specifically designed around... Hey, we're going to put a room. We're going to put Joel in that room. Maybe some doors, maybe some walls, maybe some windows. And the idea is supposed to be... Um, and there's no real reason to change this also is we're going to put like shelves and boxes and containers and things like that things that like you would put in the middle of a room and the idea is supposed to be um because this is how like kind of matthew illard i think is his name um kind of described this in a video about how they how they reworked the ai around that and the whole like um your companions moving around it's almost a little bit like a sort of not a chess game but a sort of box a is here you and your NPC companions are with you here. The enemies are in this area with boxes here and here. You can take cover cover behind these ones. Maybe you run a little bit. Maybe you move out of cover, risk it, and get into new cover. But the idea is supposed to be you see the enemy moving this way. Okay, maybe you've got an opening around the back. Maybe you can flank them. So you move around the boxes in a crouch state, not a prone state. And you work your you work your planning around that. But the level design is very, very clearly designed around that. 
again you could argue like okay could you move boxes around could you remove them could you put uh, tall grass in and introduce the pro mechanic you could have i suppose but if it isn't broke don't fix it would be would be my my thing with that because there, there was nothing wrong with that part of the last of us's level design and there's nothing wrong with it here either um the only kind of interesting difference and this kind of applied to me as well if you've recently played last of us 2 and you're used to the slightly different mechanics where you do have the tall grass and you do have things that you can like crawl under as ellie in in, in the prone position and that um you will have to kind of like adjust slightly um and i, I kind of what i described it as when i came away with my first impressions on that week's gaming talk episode and i kind of said about I had to switch from my Last of Us 2 brain to my Last of Us 1 brain. In terms of like, okay, I can't lay down, but I can crouch and like simply just move around these objects. Um, and sort of that type of thing. So once I got back into the swing of playing like that. Um, because again, it's not broken. There's nothing wrong with that level design. Um, you could maybe say it's a little bit outdated, but there's there's nothing wrong with it. Um so i'm fine with that staying in the game and and again like i said there there wasn't really any point in the game where i thought oh i really need to lay down here or i really need to i really need to use the pro mechanic on this thing and again you've got a lot of the level design designed around like okay there aren't things that you can crawl under because the game is designed around you crouching around things or if you want to you can get out of cover and go guns blazing it's up to you if you've got molotovs and um what do you call them? The the the, the uh, shrapnel bomb thing. Um, you, if you want to throw that or whatever, then then you can do so. Um, I suppose I'll just talk about the differences in weapons. Boy, we've got we've got a lot to talk about here today. Strapping everybody. Um, yeah. So you've got a few differences. Obviously, you've got the um, is it, is it called shrapnel grenade? I can't remember the name of the thing. The shrapnel shrapnel grenade. You've got molotovs. You've got some different stuff. Uh, again, I had no real trouble adjusting to like. Okay, you didn't have the mines that Ellie can plant. You didn't have the pipe bombs that Abby has in part two. Uh, so you got just some differences, but the between the three of them, between Ellie, obviously the older version, uh, between Ellie, Joel, and Abby, they all kind of play different ways, I suppose. So um, no real problems with any of them. Um, they just you just kind of have to be wary of like, okay, which one am I playing as? And how am I going to use what they've got to my advantage? You know, where am I going to put my shrapnel grenades? Where am I going to put um, molotovs? Things like that. So that was really good. Um, but yeah, that's that's some of the gameplay discussion. Let's move on to something that... Um, I've spoken about graphics before in games. And I've said about how you'll never really... And this is like a personal preference thing. If you're a developer or a friend or somebody, and if you're in a position where you're trying to recommend me a game, so whether you're a developer who's like, hey, we've got this game in development, it's this, it's that, or if you're a friend or somebody that I know or whatever, or a listener of the podcast, and you're saying, hey, Matt, there's this game, and you might like it because of these reasons, you're never really going to sell me on a game by saying, hey, this game looks amazing, you should play it, because I'm going to just ask you, like, what's the gameplay mechanics like you know what can i do in this game what is the game what's the story what's the characters um you'll you'll never get me to play a game by saying like hey matt this game's got really amazing graphics and i'll be like cool i'm gonna go and play it just so i can look at the amazing graphics 
Um, that being said, luckily I'm not blind, um, and I can very it's very clearly and very interesting to see because there is a big stark difference between the screenshots that they've showed off for you know like the PS4 version, so not even the PS3 version, but the PS4 Pro version of this game as opposed to the PS5 version. And credit where credit's due, certainly. Again, you're not going to impress me by graphics. That doesn't mean I won't look at something that looks good and think, oh, that does look really good. Like, yeah, this game looks really fantastic. But that's not... When I go away and I think about what I really liked about Part 1, I'm not going to really look and think, oh, wow, I was really impressed in looking at, like, this building and how good it looked i'm going to be thinking about the characters the gameplay the moments the story the themes the things that to me are more important um but again credit where credit's due they clearly put naughty dog clearly put a lot of work into making this game look fantastic it does look fantastic um i'm not going to deny that it does because it absolutely does it's very clear to see um you know and it's I think it was kind of unfair for some people that kind of said like, oh, this is just Last of Us with a new coat of paint. No, this is a Last of Us that's redesigned um, and has got all the bells and whistles of other things. I've mentioned haptic feedback, dozens of stuff there. One part of this is interesting to me because I've noticed, it, I've put in my notes here, animation and graphics, which are a combined effort. Animations of characters is something I'm very, very interested in. Um, a bit more so in a gameplay sense, like how is my character going to interact with things? How are the NPCs and the enemies going to react or animate or move when things happen in the game? Uh, for example, like if I shoot an enemy and just miss, like what's their body movement going to be? What's their response going to be? What are they going to say? What are they going to do? Um, how quickly are they going to respond? Those sorts of animations. But um, I did. I was very blown away in the cutscenes by the again not the graphics because that's not like the thing that impresses me. The animations on these characters because um, I am impressed by that both in cutscenes and in a gameplay sense with animations in terms of like you you get so much more and this is a very specific quality of this game. You get a very, very specific, um, because obviously this is such an emotional, powerful, impactful, dark, sometimes happiness moments story. There's a lot going on here emotionally with the story. It did add a lot more, a lot, lot more to not only just make the characters look better, but to like the facial features, the eyes, the way the eyes, like the, the, they said about like the dialect in the pupils and stuff. Um, even like the facial expressions, the way the characters turn and move and look at each other and speak to each other. It really did add a lot more to, to an already incredible, powerful story with, you know, some incredible acting, both motion, motion capture and obviously voice acting. Um, it added it added a lot more than I expected it to as well. So in terms of that department, the, the visual department of this game... Um, the thing I was impressed more by was the animations and seeing like, you know, when Joel's talking to Ellie, when Ellie's talking to other characters, when Joel's talking to other characters. Seeing, I don't know, the way these characters move, the way that they interact with each other, the way that they look, um, the, the way that they look at each other, um, the, the details and all of that. And even things like when characters get angry, when they smirk, when they smile, um, 
it really it really did add like a surprising almost extra bonus layer to um to the the already powerful like you know what the characters are actually saying to each other and what's what's going on in the moment so lot i want to give a lot of praise for that again not for the graphics specifically but for the animations that obviously ties into the graphics because the graphics does depend does determine how good the animation looks but the part i was so impressed by was just again that those different looks from the characters the smirk smiles angriness um like the de- the details on the face and how this is going to sound kind of silly how like characters faces moved and their body language and it 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 added such an interesting excellent additional layer um that also applies obviously to last of us left behind but because you've got the same technology kind of stuff there um so it, it just made the story and those cutscenes even more immersive than what they already are which didn't think was possible but credit to naughty dog for that big credit to naughty dog for that so there we go um what else do we want to talk about that spoiler free um i've got a bunch of the characters written down i'm gonna obviously talk about them i've got some notes about like different themes and things so that's good stuff uh but we've done 41 minutes here on spoiler free elements just talking about animations gameplay haptic feedback um because to me now when i'm reviewing a game You've got, like, the general sort of discussion on, like, okay, how good is this game? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it technically sound? Is the melee combat any good? (laughs) Is the gunplay any good? To me, haptic feedback, because that's something I'm very personally interested in, that gives me a new way to play and literally to feel video games, that's almost like a different category to me now. Um, It does tie into, like, you know the haptic feedback tying into the gameplay and tying into the things that you are doing in the game um but it's almost like it's individual thing and i'm i'm very very excited going forward to see what other games do with that and again with last of us part one here i thought the haptic feedback was fantastic and the integration of it and and with the dialogue and stuff i thought was really really great so I think that's it for the spoiler-free section here, kind of. Again, if you have any more questions about things, um, if you want to know about some other stuff, um, if you're somebody who's not played the game and you want a bit more of like, hey, what did this gun feel like to use? Or, you know, other things like that, feel free to write in. Feel absolutely free to write in. And I'll try to answer your question the best that I can. But we're going to take a break here for a minute. Um, I still have about an hour's worth of time, so we've still got uh, we've still got a fair bit to go through here. Uh, so yeah, but um, take a quick break. Um, I am going to get straight into the spoiler section after this. So if you've not played Last of Us Part One and you don't want to know about spoilers, um, this might be the time to leave. Um, so if you haven't played the game and you don't want to know spoiler specific stuff, because I am done talking about the spoiler free aspects. Uh, you can find the rest of our content over on entertainmenttalk.org and on your favourite podcast platforms. Uh, if you'd like to write in to the uh, to the show, and uh, if you have played the game or haven't, let me know what you thought. Um, or if you you know if you haven't played the game, if you've got any other questions, let me know. If you have played the game, let me know your thoughts on the gameplay. Did you have the same trouble with melee combat and that sort of stuff? Let me know. Uh, Matthew at entertainmenttalk.org, Twitter eTalkUK, there's a contact page and information in your show notes, uh, email box on the website version of the episode, and a clickable email name in your show notes. In the meantime, uh, if you need to back out of this episode, uh, entertainmenttalk.org, podcast platforms, entertainment talk, 
Uh, TV, games, films, main night, podcasts. So take a look out for all of those. Uh, if you want to support Entertainment Talk in other ways, you can tell other people simply by just telling them about what we do and where you can find it. Uh, social media, tell them about that as well. Uh, tell them about our podcast over social media if you want to do that. For your TV and your film news, David's got you covered over on geektown.co.uk, Geektown Radio. There is a new Geektown Radio episode out right now, so if you can't continue with this episode because of spoilers, uh, go over to geektown.co.uk or Geektown Radio. And listen to this week's episode uh, from today, Tuesday, 27th of September. So go and check that one out. Uh, so yeah, renewals, cancellations, pickups, air dates, that sort of stuff with TV and film news. Uh, Twitch content, Bex is still streaming very regularly over on Twitch. Uh, Trista B-Y-T-E-S, also that name across social media and whatnot. Check out what she's up to, Little Nightmares 2. Classic games, retro streams, uh, chat streams, all that good stuff. Check out what she's doing. If you want to find me on Twitch as well, Wednesdays and Fridays from 8pm with different games. The schedule is listed on our page. It's called eTalk UK over on Twitch. So go and find us over there and check out what we're doing. And if you miss any of those gameplay things or the game clips, whatever, uh, find them archive later on YouTube, Entertainment Talk Plays. Let's take a break and we'll be back in a minute with the spoiler section. Today's sponsor is Manscaped. You can get 20% off with your order with Manscaped by using the promo code that we've got with them, which is ETALKUK, that's E-T-A-L-K-U-K, to get 20% off your order and free shipping with Manscaped. They sell various different men's grooming products from shavers, razors, ear and nose head trimmers, different clothes and deodorants. You don't even need to Google Manscaped themselves. You can click on the link in your show notes, whether you're on a podcast player or the website uh, version of the episode and you can go and click on that link in the show notes that's also got the promo code written in the show notes as well so you can either copy and paste the promo code etalkuk e-t-a-l-k-u-k you can either copy and paste that into your show notes or type it in in the promo code box and click apply that will get you 20 percent off your order with manscaped and free shipping first hand quality professional with manscaped from their packaging to the items themselves, even the way the items are stored in the packaging is very, very first class, very professional, so no questions about Manscaped's quality. Thanks very much to Manscaped for sponsoring Entertainment Talks podcast, and thank you very much for listening. Hi there, if you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name, we've got good news for you. With our affiliate link with Kualu, you can click on that link which is in your show notes, which is for our affiliate link. You can go over to Kualu to get started with your website and domain name today. They've also got a very handy chat support system which is usually in the bottom right hand corner to send messages back and forth to Kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today so that's Kualu and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today thank you very much to Kualu for this affiliate link Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcasts and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talk's previous ad-free podcasts and the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned, and it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show, or a film review of your choice. So if if there's a TV show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it, we can watch two episodes of that TV show or 
film review so it's one of either of those per month of course if you continue subscribing each month you can pick a tv show then a film the next month and so on and so forth this is a great way to support entertainment talk get your ad-free podcasts and also get some reviews of your choice thank you very much for supporting us and thank you for listening back to the show all right it's spoiler time if you've not played The Last of Us 1, either on PS3, 4, or 5, whatever version of the game, if you've not experienced this story, if you do not know about this story, um, and even even if you've played Part 2 and you haven't played Part 1, I'd still kind of recommend that you back out the podcast, so check out other episodes that we've got, go and listen to Geek Town, just click the episode off in whatever way, shape, or form you can. I'm going to give you a little bit of time, because if you might be driving carrying bags you might be washing up your hands might be wet because you're washing up whatever you are doing i'm going to give you a chance to stop that pause the episode mute it click on the home page close your podcast app do whatever because we're going to get into some very big spoilers here indeed uh, so that's your chance to click the episode off hopefully you have done so right uh we've got a lot to talk about with joel he's going to be our kind of main thing to talk about here now i've said on a lot of occasions Ellie is the main character of this game. She still absolutely is. And simply put, if you take Ellie out of this story, or if Ellie is not immune, you do not have the same story. Joel is still a main character, but he is not the main character. However, in this game, Joel is Joel is a lot more of a central figure in this game than what I remembered, which is why it was good to go and play part two and get a refresher on the story and all the bits and bobs of the story. There's two specific themes that really do cover what happens in this game, and that is the human condition, which is a very, very big theme across the entirety of The Last of Us. And a really, really big theme specific to Joel is fatherhood. Um, obviously there's, you know, the what happens with Sarah, and of course Ellie comes into his life later on. Now there are two very particular moments and bits of dialogue that really are very key to, um, and obviously his watch, which, his watch is almost like a, a completely separate theme, it's still tied into fatherhood, but that's like something we can talk about individually in a minute. Um... So when, obviously, Sarah does die in this game at the start, very, very tragically, um, at the beginning of the game, um, I'll have to talk about Sarah individually as well in a moment. And he's holding his dying daughter, and there's two words that he says that combine a sentence, which is baby girl. And he's, you know, that's that that is kind of... There's two very defining scenes for Joel and very defining moments. The two scenes is obviously Sarah's death and obviously I would argue maybe the moment of the game because it really kind of combines everything together is what happens in that hospital room because that obviously connects to Abby and it connects to Jerry and it connects to everything in part two. So that's kind of the connective tissue towards part two. But there's two very, very defining moments for Joel at very different points in his life. Um, and that is obviously the the death of Sarah, and then when Ellie's life is threatened, in quotes. We can get on to that moment, of course, here shortly. But that's really a definitive, defining kind of thing about Joel's fatherhood. 
because when Sarah's dying in his arms and he says, I think he says like, it's okay baby girl or come on baby girl, something like that, that he's saying to Sarah. And you see this progression across the game after that. You see you know, a 20 year time jump. Uh, the, the story jumps 20 years forward. Joel is this broken, grizzled, miserable man um, who still wants to do things. He's not, you know, like suicidal, but he is a broken man. Um, which is really interesting with like what's going on with his watch, which is something I didn't notice the whole watch thing until I played this, this this version of this game. So we'll talk about the watch in a minute. And then you go through the whole journey with Ellie. They don't really like each other at the start. They don't really get on. He doesn't believe her about the infection. You go all the way through the emotional story. So you go from Joel and Ellie, who are strangers, who are just there, just there to do a job, right? He's taking her across the country to investigate this illness. And then it's like, job done. That's going to be it. Sim- simple as. You go all the way through the game to the end. And, you know, you do this massacre kind of killing uh, gameplay section uh, with Joel. And um, go through all of that. He's fighting for Ellie, right? He's fighting for his new, kind of his new daughter in a way, his new daughter figure in his life, who he's grown very, very attached to, and gets into that room, you kill Jerry in whatever way you choose to as a player, I simply just shot him in the head, I I saw videos of like players blowing him up and burning him, there's no need to do that, just just shoot him once and then just just move on, Um, and he not unplugs, he takes the hospital, he disconnects the hospital equipment from Ellie, Goes to pick her up. And he says come on baby girl. That's the moment where you really realise like. And it's so interesting because he's doing the same thing in both scenes. Where. um, They're they're different contexts and different scenarios. Obviously you've got like the start of the outbreak. Sarah unfortunately gets shot. She dies. Cradling his daughter figure. Baby girl. Uh, He says come on baby girl. Um, in obviously the emotional scene and everything. And then later on, he's again trying to save his daughter figure because of his, you know, fatherhood and the the fatherhood aspects of that story. And he's again scooping up, not scooping up, picking up the daughter figure in his life, the new daughter figure in his life, who he's terrified. He, He can't go through, in his mind, right, he can't go through that again. He already had this world take away from him a daughter figure. He cannot let that happen again. In his mind. Whether or not you thought Joel did the right thing. Obviously Jerry didn't think he did the right thing. Jerry dies as a result. Regardless of what you think of his decision. In Joel's mind. That is very much a kind of. This world is threatening to take my daughter away again. And it broke me as a man last time. And I cannot let that happen again. So I'm going to storm through. Because these people. The people that you kill in that last level. They're nobody to Joel. They are nobodies. They are nobody people. That are standing in between him and his. The the, the new threat of his daughter figure again. It's happening again to him. To Joel. Um, And. To him in that, because, you know, in, in that first scene with Sarah, he couldn't do anything, couldn't fight back, couldn't run away, he couldn't shoot the, the man, he couldn't disarm the man, he, could, he he was powerless in that situation. The guy responded quickly on the radio, and the the, 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 the decision was made, 
shooting at Joel and Ellie. Um, and that, that he couldn't do anything about that. He can do something about this. He can use his brute force and let his fatherhood not cloud his judgment but make his decision for him. To force his way through this group of nobody soldiers who are in the way of the threat to his daughter figure. Smash his way into that room and save his baby girl. And that that is Joel's story in this game really. Obviously he meets you know Tess and Bill and Sam and Henry along the way. And other characters but I didn't initially. And I'd, I'd done a character spotlight for Joel before and talked about his choice in that room. But. There's a lot of like interesting, you know, when when Ellie's trying to talk about Sarah and all this type of stuff. So, um, it's such great storytelling. It really, really is. Um, and it's interesting because there's one tiny little scene where Joel does kind of talk about Sarah, but throughout the whole of this game, whenever Ellie tries to bring up Sarah or somebody else, it's no. I'm shutting down that conversation. We are not talking about Sarah because that, that's Joel's no-go area right you don't talk about the trauma that he's faced with that and it's an understandable trauma your daughter was shot and she died in your arms it's, that, that will traumatize anybody right um you know so that's that's like the the wound that's happened to Joel that's the, the wound on his kind of his mentality his mental state what he you know how he thinks and feels about the world it's it's the thing that changed his life um, and obviously that transfers and translates into Ellie, his new daughter figure. So I, I, it's, it's so good. It's so, so good. And it's, again, it's so deep. It's so, there's so many, like, different themes about, like, the world taking things from him. Um, and all that type of stuff, which I, which I thought was really, really cool. So, or not cool, but really, really good. The watch on Joel's wrist. Um, that is its entire separate topic which i'll talk about now and i've been thinking a bit about you know we, we saw the trailer we saw again joel's broken watch in the in the trailer for the last of us tv series and a few thought a few newer kind of thoughts in the last couple of days occurred to me and i was thinking about this today at work as i was kind of brainstorming a bit more and thinking about doing this podcast today and i started thinking about like what does what does Joel's watch mean? What does the broken because it goes through the watch itself goes through two stages. It's you know, you start off with a happy scene. It's literally one of the first things you see in the game. His daughter alive and well at home. Um, was it a birthday? I think it was a birthday gift or some sort of gift. Sarah gets in this watch. It's working. He was bit, he was moaning about his broken watch. Um, he's got his daughter who's alive at home with him. She's giving him the fixed working watch things are good th things are things are ticking along you could say i suppose and then in in that mo in that very big changing moment for joel not only is because i i think re if, if you look at the broken version of joel's watch that's like it's almost a wound isn't it and not not a physical wound because he's not been scratched or bitten or shot or cut you know, there's no physical wound there, but it's a—it's almost like a metaphorical wound for Joel. Like li literally, if you look at the watch and it's broken, and obviously it's not probably not ticking anymore, that is the symbolism for his 
kind of his fatherhood like his fatherhood is kind of broken his his relationship with his daughter is is stopped the cl- the clock has stopped you know um and you look at sort of like because it was caused by the gunshot wounds obviously when sarah was shot um it's it's all you know, one one kind of way you can compare it is you know when like because I've got the tattoo on my arm of my nan who passed away and obviously that's my way of like kind of remembering her and she was like one of the first um, family member deaths that really like, like like kind of impacted me and and that sort of stuff that's one of the reasons I sort of got the tattoo it's it's that sort of it's that physical kind of like memory almost Joel doesn't have a tattoo of Sarah. But he has his broken watch. And what's interesting about the broken watch thing. Is I think even into part 2. He never looks at his watch and thinks. Oh it's broken. Because that watch is done. It's broken. Like there's no like replacing the battery on that thing. It's not a case where like. Oh I'm going to just take the battery out of this watch. And put it in and it'll be good. No the screen is cracked. It's broken. It's It's not working anymore. There is no point to having it on. Other than the memory of Sarah. And at no point in the game does he even consider or look at it and think, oh, I'm going to throw this broken watch away. Because there is kind of no, like, physically, in terms of the, the function of a watch, there is no point in him having it on his arm. But it is a it is the wound reminder of Sarah and his fatherhood and everything he's gone through in the, t- in the 20 years and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, d- just like as I was looking at his watch in the game and thinking about Sarah and what all that means, all of that kind of came to my mind. So, um again fantastic storytelling and um again that goes along with the performances of you know uh troy and ashley and the the woman that plays sarah and all that all that sort of stuff um if we move on to sarah as well what's so interesting about sarah um she's not in the game for very long obviously uh she's in the game for well it depends how long it takes you to get through that section but 20 to 30 minutes at the very most you can probably do that opening section in about probably about 10 to 30 minutes 10 20 maybe 30 minutes right depending on how quickly you as a player go through it sarah is in the game for less than an hour but as soon as you see that first scene you know he's on the phone he's trying to get i think it's to do with the contractor or something like that and sarah's giving him the watch and there's everything going on with that um you don't spend a lot of time with Sarah, but as soon as you see her, you think, "I want to protect this girl." This is like our main characters, at least at that point, because you hadn't you hadn't met Ellie at that point. So, so at that point in that in, in the story, Joel was the main character because you hadn't met Ellie yet, right? She wasn't in the game yet. Joel was the one that we we looked at as like the main character at that point. And this is the main character's daughter. We care about her. And we know that, you know, bad stuff is going to happen. Is it going to happen to her? What's going to happen to her in this game? And you immediately connect with this father-daughter relationship. And they have a bit of, like, the banter stuff about, like, oh, I sell hardcore drugs. That's how I got the watch and all that kind of stuff. So there's that early glimpse of, of, of hope and sort of, um, you know, that, that bit of happiness. Very short-lived happiness, but that bit of happiness. So... Because it it's such an incredible bit of work where you spend let's say fifteen minutes right you spend the first within the first fifteen minutes roughly of this game you're introduced to Joel, Tommy, and Sarah. Sarah is killed 
in the first, let's say, first part of the game, first 15 minutes roughly of the game, it's one of the most devastating things that's ever happened in, not just in games, not just in The Last of Us, but in media. And I remember when I did kind of the opening night stream, like the first two hours or so, and I was on camera and I was playing the game and I was kind of talking and stuff. And as I said on that stream, like, it gets you every single time. Every single time. Um, that that death scene. You barely spend any time with Sarah, but you're you're connected there straight away. And you don't want anything bad to happen to Tommy or to Joel or to Sarah. Because those, those are the characters that you're brought into following. And you love them from the start. So it's really quite incredible the impact of sort of... You know, you barely spend any time with this young girl, and she's killed, and it's absolutely devastating. Um, but it's the way it's constructed, it's the way it's put together, the way it's voice acted, the way it's animated specifically. And something which is really notable and noticeable in, in this version of the game, in, in the PS5 Part 1 game, is, as I mentioned earlier, the animation, it just adds so much more pain <laughs> to that scene um because you can see more of the tears you can see like i don't know these people that have just been through this rough thing and he's holding his dying daughter in his arms and you can see the blood in more detail and the animation and the, the, the the nuances on joel's face and on sarah's face and he's clutching her and it's it's devastating it really really is devastating but even those new little touches of animations and obviously the graphics as well makes that scene even sadder um because it just it just adds that extra bit of detail to it and i'm sure still for most people that played the game in 2013 on ps3 with the ps3 graphics we're still devastated by that but and then you go to the ps4 version where the graphics are a bit better and then you go to the ps5 version where you've got these new animations and whatnot it just adds it, it, it's somehow because there's no new dialogue, there's no new scene there. It's the exact same scene. It's just got that bit of extra detail to it. So, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's incredible what they're able to do. J just in the opening 15 minutes of this game, it's it's quite uh, stunning. It really, really is. Um, let's move on from Joel and Sarah and everything like that. Um, Ellie is, of course, another character in this game. Um, she, to me, still is the main character of this game. She takes over as the main character in the game when she's introduced because the story, again, is about her. Because the story at the start of this game isn't about Joel escorting uh, this young girl halfway across the country. The story at the very start is, where do we go? You know, where do we sort of, like, how do we get out of this world ending changing situation that's the story at the start and ellie's not in that first part so she takes over as the main character to me when she's introduced um yeah and again you know you've got the unique aspect with ellie in terms of um her immunity um she's the only one that's immune because i don't think we find out about i mean there's the, there's the lie later on from joel um, and we could talk about Joel and Ellie's relationship, of course. Um, I don't think you find out if there is other infected people. Because Joel lies to her and says later on about, oh, it turns out that, like, there are there are dozens of, dozens of other people like you. But again, that's his kind of a justification for saving his daughter figure, which I've already been over everything like that. Um, 
yeah, it's interesting going from part two to part one with Ellie. And seeing, like, you know, this younger version of the character and her personality is different and she's not, you know, grown up yet and stuff. Um, and seeing her seeing her character development through this game and seeing seeing that relationship build. That, that relationship is so, so important to this game. That The relationship that builds between Joel and Ellie and seeing, like, again, initially it's just like, hey, you're a young girl and I have to escort you across the country um to the fireflies and then and then we'll deal with it that and that was that was that because when they first meet joel and ellie they're not a father-daughter figure combination they're, they're nothing like that um in fact it's interesting when you know she reveals her bite and she says hey, hey this is three weeks old i'm i'm immune i'm not turning look at me i'm perfectly fine and initially joel's like what is this what it what is going on um because i think tess was asking about like hey why why did marlene get you to escort like what's why are you escorting this girl like what what is it about her um that is so special and obviously it's the the immunity um and uh yeah that obviously first happens in that scene where um it's that night rainy scene isn't it the one that was kind of shown off a bit in the trailer uh, with the pipes and everything that you have to hide in, um, and yeah, that kind of uh, that, that is one of the checkpoints of um, their relationship, which is really interesting. Uh, it's also kind of a checkpoint for the relationship with Tess as well, um, which is which is great. We'll get onto Tess individually here shortly. Um, but no, Ellie's a fantastic character again. Um, going you know back with her, literally back in time to when she was. Uh, was it she says she's 13 or 14 in this game and then she's about 19 in part two um seeing this younger kind of i don't want to say not trained but not kind of not developed character yet not developed into the badass kind of um what i mean by not trained is she's not been like trained with a gun she's not been trained out to fight she's not been trained out to like survive in this world yet uh which is which is interesting because um, obviously when we see her in part two, she's like the fully developed version of that character, which is which is uh, interesting to see between part one and part two. But um, hey everybody, I just wanted to put a little interjection sort of part into here. I uh, posted this episode last night, over an hour, you know, well over an hour long. I uh, talked about a whole bunch of characters, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, there wasn't anything in my review that I thought was wrong or a mistake or anything like that. But, of course, sometimes what happens when you record an episode is you record it, you edit it, you post it, publish it, all that type of stuff, promote it, whatever. And then you sometimes think, I forgot to talk about something. Or you think, I forgot to mention something. Which is exactly what happened to me yesterday. Um, so I posted the episode literally two, three hours later. And I sat there and I thought... I forgot to talk about David. <laughs> uh, I completely just forgot to talk about David. Um, it, it wasn't a case of like me deliberately not talking about him or, um, you know, me being worried about talking about that section of the game. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of dark stuff I already discussed in my review for the other events, but no, I just human error. Just simply forgot because I, I wrote down like the characters' names and different themes and different things to talk about. I mentioned a dozen times. In this review, um, you know, they're going from note to note so I can guide myself. I just completely forgot to write David's name down. And for some reason, my whole thought process of talking about this game for an hour and 45 minutes, 
I didn't want to think of the character. I don't know why. I really don't know why. But here we are. I'm going to correct that mistake and talk about the David section of the game. Um, the gameplay for this is kind of interesting, actually. This is, of course, when you take over as Ellie, um, which is the first time that happens in the series because Joel is injured at that point in the story. And obviously that's, that's a really interesting part because... Uh, so what I'm going to do here, I'm just going to talk about that whole section um, not just David individually as a character, but obviously you've got some you've got some differences. You have a change in the game um, as to what happens with Joel and Ellie in the game itself. Um, so obviously Joel gets injured um, when you're in that same uh, school hospital sort of thing, and he falls on that rebar, and it looks really nasty. And you Joel falls off the horse. It's interesting, like after Joel falls off of that horse, and Again, this is to do with the, the relationship, the development with their relationship, Joel and Ellie's relationship, where throughout the whole game she's been like, oh, we have to do this, we have to do that, I guess we have to do this and do that. And one of the first things she says, because obviously she jumps off of the horse and tries to wake him up, is you have to tell me what to do. And that was, again, there, there's different sort of, I mentioned checkpoints parts in this story there that's a definitive very definitive sort of checkpoint point in the story where um he's been guiding her this whole time you know he's been sort of teaching her how to do things slowly giving her like okay the rifle and, and the fun discussion about the bb gun and all that <laughs> and then giving her a pistol for emergencies and now it's the, the the tide has changed to where joel is injured he's not in control of the situation anymore and he does have to rely on ellie for the first time and not only is it really interesting gameplay-wise, obviously you're kind of playing as a bit of an injured Joel, um, and then you have to switch over to her. You don't do a time... You don't do this, like... There's no time skip to where, you know, oh, you skip and Joel's fine now. Um, obviously you have the whole section with David, and the... But there's never any trust between David and Ellie, obviously. There, there's that initial sort of, like, okay, things are on edge, but, you know, not dangerous and then you sort of get the set piece with the runners and the clickers that breaks things up and then you have to leave the deer behind and all that type of stuff or leave it behind for now and you find out david's got like a whole group of people joel ends up torturing them um for the information ends up killing both of the men doesn't he um ellie has to like you know survive on her own for the first time and you obviously have that deer section um the first time you're controlling her you're just sort of walking or crouching very slowly um, and trying to trying to take this deer down, which is her first, like, hey, I I need some food. You know, Joel is passed out. Um, Joel's not in the game at that point. Uh, well, he's in the game, but he, he's not, like, you know, active at that point. Um, and Ellie has to step up, but she has to kind of use the lessons that she's learned so far to survive on her own. Um, because that's... Yeah, it's a, it's a change in the tide for the game, and it's a, it's a really, really interesting change. Um, so it's it's really, really good. Uh, controlling Ellie, obviously, is a little bit different. You don't quite get the fully-fledged version, the fully-fleshed-out version of Ellie from Part 2. Obviously, that's, again, the much older, matured version of the character, um, simply because she's older and she's grown up more. Um, but no, she she does, obviously, incredibly well. I mean, she manages to, you know, not get killed by David which in of itself is really, really big for Ellie. Um, she manages to not get bitten. Because um, you think, like, if David kills her, if one of those other guys kills her, if if an infected kills her, and she just dies in the middle of nowhere, 
Joel probably ends up dead as well. I would I would imagine. Because um, even if he does manage to wake up at some point. Um, you know. He's going to just be on his own. If Ellie was dead at that point. So she did incredibly well. Um, to survive all that, especially as you know, such a young girl again and everything, and you've got these, you've got these big, fully grown men that are chasing after you and infected in the world, and it's a stressful time for Ellie, but it's a really, really big piece of character development for her. So, um, yeah, gameplay wise, it's it's great to switch over to Ellie. It takes a little bit of adjustment, of course, because she plays a bit differently, and she's again, she doesn't have the brute force combat thing that that Joel has. She's got her knife and stuff, um, so that's a bit of a difference there. Um, but yeah, David as a character, how would I kind of, how do I look at David? Obviously, he's a creep, probably, you know, murderer, paedophile, all, all, all the worst things that a man can be in life. Um, a woman beater, technically as well. Well, not even technically, because he does smack Ellie a few times, doesn't he? Um, he smashes her against the, uh, the, the, the gate, the, he locks her behind the gate as well. Um, he does feed her, but that's because he feels he has to keep her alive because he thinks that she's special, but not in the sp in not in the way that she'd want to be special. Um, there's that turn, isn't there? I suppose um, there's a couple of turns actually in 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 that part of the story because there's the bit where they sit down after the you know gameplay set piece and um, David brings up the um, oh yeah, there's this guy and a young girl and sort of gives Ellie this look and it's like okay. Ellie, you need to you need to go now, sort of thing. Um, and then I can't remember his name, but is it Robert, David's friend, who comes back, who you don't really see after this? I don't think um, he kind of comes back and questions things. Um, but for, for for David, he looks at because let's be honest, right? Because we saw him cutting off hands and all this type of stuff. If he wanted Ellie dead, he did have a good few opportunities to kill her. I mean, he could very simply. Have picked up a gun, shot her behind the, the the gate that she's locked behind. Um, there isn't a there is a point where he attempts to kill her or like that kind of stuff, but then she reveals her bite mark, which kind of like scares the group, which is great tactically from Ellie. Um, but no, Ellie, uh, David sees her um as just this almost this prize sort of thing in the creepiest worst way possible. You get that second kind of turn in the story. Where she pretends to be sort of friendly towards him, and um, I think like they're holding hands or, or something through 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 the uh, the gap in the fence or in the gate, and he's like, "You're special," and and the way he says it, the tone that he says it, and the way that he's sort of looking at Elliot's like, "Okay, that's where that other turn takes," because um, it adds the more of the is it pedophobia is that the word I'm looking for? Um, more, adds more of those aspects to him because you've already got the clear cannibal stuff. He's clearly like a murderer. Um, I mean, the term murderer in this particular world is a bit loose and a bit of a grey area thing because even Joel and Ellie kill a bunch of people. But I suppose it depends on the context and the manner of which you kill somebody in this world, doesn't it? Um, as to like, are you like? I suppose murder in this world technically would be like, okay, did somebody surrender and you still killed them? Um, but I don't know. That that's a term that's up for discussion, I think. But still, still got those serial killer, paedophile type vibes, David. Um, so it's it's again, it's what I like. One of the things I like about the characters in this game is the checkpoint nature of like Tess and Bill, Sam and Henry, David, 
and all these other characters, and they've all got something a bit different about them. Some of them survive, some of them don't. In fact, I think one of those char- only one of those survives, which is uh, which is Bill. Um, but yeah, Tess dies. Sam and Henry both die. David dies in the end. Um, but each character had like they weren't just like oh here's another random bandit sort of red shirt person. They all had depth. They all had story. They all had different backstories. They all had different goals, different personalities. Um, some of them different races, obviously, with Sam and Henry. A bit of a different background there, which is cool. Um, even even as far as, like... I know I said I'd review Left Behind separately, but even as far as, like, uh, Riley. She's got, like, different personality. More more in the line of Ellie, obviously. They're both young kids, young girls. But um, uh, even she's, like... No, there's no sort of... Um, apart from, obviously, some of the NPC enemies that have similarities. They're these big men that are trying to kill you uh big fully grown men that are trying to kill you but that's like that's npc enemies those those don't have any sort of depth or story but yeah one of the things i still like about this game a lot is um yeah the the the, the checkpoint nature of it of like meet one lot of characters meet another lot meet another lot meet another lot um but then you still got that same through line of just ellie and joel see how they are before during and after meeting those characters um so, yeah, it's uh, yeah. David still David's not supposed to be a nice character. You're not supposed to sympathise with him or any or anything like that. But he's still an interesting character. Um, and I think it also shows as well. Again, like I said, with the different personalities with like Bill and Tess and Sam and Henry and David, it does show sort of like okay, once this type of world starts, you're going to get different types of people. Uh, you got like the lone the lone gunman type character with Bill, you've got like the survivor with Tess, you've got the um you know, father and son on the run trying to find their group with Sam and Henry, then obviously you've got Ellie and Joel. Uh and then you've got the, the the darker side, the darker turn of things, which is with David. And they they all show sort of like what can happen to a to a person after this world changes, I think. And, you know, we don't completely know whether David was like this before or after the outbreak, uh, or uh, sorry, before the outbreak, or like, you know, uh, not that there's ever any excuse for being the way that David is, but did something in his life make him delve deeper into that, which you could say is like the, the state of this world. Um, he probably was like that before the outbreak, but we don't we don't know that because we didn't see like flashbacks and stuff of him that's where you can kind of flesh things out even more in the show um which would be which would be great but um he probably was like that before but what what probably happened with david was he was probably like that before but this world and what this world does to probably just drove him deeper into that in the darkest in the darkest way possible again no excuses for that type of behavior or anything like that um you can be a gritty gray area character and make um, and do, you know, um, uh, you can kill people in, like, brutal ways, like, the way Joel kind of does do that, but there's, there's a, there's a line, isn't there, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say, is, like, we see Joel do some darker stuff in this game, like the torture scene, um, and we are with Joel, we understand his motivations, he is in the right, technically, to do that, he's looking for, again, his daughter figure, he's looking for Ellie, he'll do whatever it takes, and for, for Joel in that scene, it's probably a case of, I'm going to get the information out of these two, I'm going to go back to my Firefly brutal sort of days, um, but both these men have to die, 
Like, but otherwise they'll just chase after me. Um, but with David, it's that crossing over that line of where you're becoming a cannibal and you're kidnapping children and you're doing all, all, all these dark things and that sort of paedophile kind of um, uh, attitude and all that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, David's, David's still an interesting character. He's an interesting one to, to analyse, I suppose. Not a nice character, not one to sympathise with, obviously. Um, but in terms of a fictional story... Um, he's an interesting one, definitely. So, um, but yeah, what was the, the other interesting thing? And I kind of pointed this out on the um, on one of the streams I did, is when you're running away from David's people, the manner of which his because I I mentioned this in the was it David's people? I don't know if it was David's people or or just some some bandits that you come across. The nature of these other men in the game and how badly they want to kill Ellie. Now the thing for them, if you look at it from their perspective, again, they're NPC enemies. Is we have to kill this girl, she's a threat, she's trying to kill us. But the manner of which they do it and like throwing things at her and trying to shoot her and throw molotovs at her. And it, it does bring, us to bring out a darker side of, of The Last of Us. Because you think, okay, yeah, this little girl is going to kill you, but she's still a little girl. Like you're really gung ho about killing this uh, this young girl, so um, and the same can kind of be applied to to David as well. Once that turn happens, and once once David kind of realizes, like, no, I can't like keep this girl. I have to kill this girl. That's when his sort of like no holds barred. I'm gonna get a machete out type thing. I'm gonna get a gun out. I, I, I'm gonna literally try and shoot this this young teenage girl um or you know if you obviously don't make a mistake in the game you get killed with a machete it's very very dark it's very very dark but it's supposed to be it's supposed to be effective it's supposed to be the way that it, um but yeah david's not a character to sympathize with or to um any of that type of stuff but he's an interesting one still and again one of the other different characters in the game um anyway that's most of the stuff i have to say about david again open to doing a character spotlight on david possibly in the future, if there's anything else I pick up upon on his character or think about on his character, um, interested to see him in the show, of course. Uh, I can't remember what I talked about after the because I've I've interjected this in where I mentioned something about Tess because uh, I think I found I've tried to find I've tried to find a spot in the podcast where I can just slot this in in between notes, but I can't remember what I talk about after this because I can't remember every single thing that I said. But anyway, that's my discussion on David. Uh, please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, again, the two interesting differences I noticed between Joel and Ellie is the plot is absolutely about Ellie. Because, again, none of this game really happens uh, without Ellie in it. The story here really is kind of this this combination of this broken man who has got these fatherhood things going on and this young girl who um you don't really hear much about ellie's parents i think that they probably did die at some point because she sort of got handed off to marlene as like a foster child kind of thing she mentions it if you walk to um you have to do this to get one of the trophies if you walk to the school thing which is near the dawn of the wolf poster out in the open uh, she mentions like, oh, I kind of got put in a place like this, um, like after after my parents um, 
but I don't I don't remember her mentioning her parents dying, but um they probably did. So uh, there's there's that aspect to it. But again, her life kind of changing a bit in a way, I suppose, of um meeting this guy. Like, who is this guy? And you know, I I'm aware of my immunity and stuff, and how is she gonna manage it? And you you see a bit of in part to Joel reminding her of like. You can't tell people about this because it will raise too many questions. It will cause too much danger. Um, and then I suppose you've got the aspect of like her revealing to Joel about like I've got this immunity thing, and how does Joel deal with that? And initially, not very well. So that was really cool as well. So um, some great storytelling there. Still not quite maybe the depth of the Sarah Joel stuff going on, but again. That the Ellie Joel stuff develops later when the father daughter bond happens because it's this interesting change from this girl I have to escort across the country for some reason. Oh, she's immune, that's why. Um, because for, for Joel, it's kind of I'm just gonna get this job done, right? That's that's kind of his attitude. Uh, but then Tess starts to ask and question things, and obviously, they have that point where they get scanned, that's when it gets revealed, doesn't it? Um, and obviously. Tess uh, and Joel are clean but Ellie's not because she's been bitten and then Joel picks up the machine thing and it's like oh you've been bitten like you, what the hell's going on you're infected and that's where it, get, when it get, get, gets explained and that's kind of that first change checkpoint sort of thing for their relationship and then obviously as they go through meeting you know Tess and Bill and Sam and Henry they still stick together through the whole thing and their relationship just develops and bonds and then you get the uh, second baby girl scene where he's taking her off the hospital bed so it all develops into that again all, all just incredibly well done so that's good uh tess um i haven't got her written down here oh, i have got her written down actually um yeah tess and i don't have as much to say about marlena again maybe when i play through the game again i'll have a few more things to pick up about marlena uh she's not in the game as much as some of the other characters though so there might be that going on um yeah, Tess kind of has this interesting relationship with Joel to where, like, obviously they meet first um, before Joel even meets Ellie because it's the introduction thing between the four of them and Marlena. Um, but it's this... I, I love the... the little details we get about, like, okay, 20-year time jump. You've got this Fedra thing going on. And like curfews and ration problems and all this sort of thing that, that's going on. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like th there's this history that's hinted at with the Fireflies. And like what did you all do and everything like that. Um, I've got that written down in my notes for later. Um, we still have quite a bit to go through. <laughs> but um, you got that sort of going on. But it's it's about like. This guy who's kind of broken and doesn't really kind of care and is like, okay, I guess I'll do this job. And like, I have to escort this girl. I'm not going to bother really asking why because it's just get the job done sort of thing. Like, he, he didn't ask for the details on why he's escorting this girl. It's more just sort of like, this is just what you've got to do. And I'm just, I, all right, I'll, I'll just, I'll just do it kind of thing. Again, it's that sort of broken not caring so much aspect about Joel, I, I guess. So that develops with them. Um, Tess's death is really kind of sad and unfortunate. I think where she gets bitten is that museum section. Because um, you kill that one runner that's trying to bang on the door. And then you open it. Then there's that little cutscene where there's a 
uh, almost said walker where there's a runner really really close up to her i think that's where she gets bitten isn't it and then she'll say the girl uh you know ellie's kind of getting attacked and you go and uh help her out yeah it's just a case of like you, you just got caught out um and it wasn't about her lack of awareness it was just she wasn't quite able to fight back in that in that scenario in that situation um and then she does the sacrifice thing later um it's quite sort of sad when you're you're walking you go past that and you're walking as Joel with Ellie and um what's it called when you're doing all of that and then um you hear the gunshots and you hear some shouting you hear some screaming you hear some you you do hear a woman scream at one point and you just know that that's Tess and you know that she's gone because when you go up to the top of that um area um and you you can look down and see her body i think uh, and then if you want to you can shoot the men right there and there which is is an option so it's just one of them sad things that she got caught out that sometimes what happens in this world and as the voiceover said in the last of us trailer save who you can save but tess couldn't be saved unfortunately um because I, as I sort of mentioned on a stream that that I did for for Last of Us uh, Left Behind, they've never quite got round to the theme of like, okay, if you get bitten on the arm, can you cut the part of the arm off? Obviously, she was bitten on the shoulder, like really close to her neck. There's that's it, that's it. You can't really cut that off. Uh, so it's just, it's just one of those. It is what it is things. Um, but it's it's still sad. It's still sad. So that's Tess. Um, Bill, uh, I, I, I like the differences again between Tess, Bill, and then Sam and Henry. They're all kind of these companions, obviously Bill doesn't die, um, Sam and Henry do in a really tragic scene that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but then they, they, those two kind of die in different ways with, with Tess and then with Sam and Henry, and Bill's sort of like the one that's the, the, Bill is the one that's sort of like... Okay, he's trying to disconnect himself from everybody. Because the, the way that Bill views this, and he says this to Joel in certain scenes, is like, don't try and, like, save anybody else. Don't, like, like, you've got this kid with you, and she is kind of encumbering you in a certain way. You know, of, like, she's extra weight that you've got. Of, like, she's going to weigh you down. She's going to kind of get in your way and get you killed. Because um, I think he says, like... One thing that will get you killed is like kind of kind of caring about other people, and you, and you can see it with the way he's got himself set up. He's got like he's got himself fortified. He's got his traps around the town. He doesn't want anyone anywhere near him. Um, Joel obviously manages to get through because he he knows Bill and he knows him from his past. Um, and that's where obviously you set off the traps in whatever way you can, uh, with the with the trap wires and stuff. But um, I found Bill interesting. Yeah, um, I'm glad that he survived. He can come back in a later game, of course, as well, which is which is great. I don't know if he will, I don't know if he needs to, but if they want to bring back a character in the future, you can use Bill for that, uh, which is which is good. Uh, but no, I like Bill, he's cool. Um, again, like thematically and everything like that, I didn't pick up on a ton of stuff, but maybe I will do so again later on. And again, with Tess and with Marlena and with Bill, I haven't done character spotlights on them yet, so if there's any other thematical stuff I pick up on or other little nuggets or bits and bobs um i can always talk about those later in a uh, character spotlight uh sam and henry also again if i missed anything with sam and henry i can do those i'd probably do those as a paired 
character spotlight because they're together in the game. They they are very much a pair. Um, I really really like Sam and Henry. It's really quite tragic the way that they died. Um, and again, it's that caught out thing, isn't it? Um, what's so sad about that, I suppose, is um, wait, which one was which? Sam is the He's the son, isn't he? I always get those two mixed up. Um, yeah, I think Henry's the dad, isn't he? But uh, when the the son, because um, I think where they get caught out is there's that bit where you're sniping in the game and you're you've got that uh, truck to deal with. Um, I think it's where there's a part where they both get knocked over at the same time and you've got like the help symbol and it's basically a way to panic you as a player and get you to shoot. I think you have to only have to shoot one of them off. Uh, but I think that's where um, Sam got bitten. So there's that part. Um, but no, it's it's sad in terms of like, yeah, just you know, Ellie goes to speak to him. She tries to make a bit of a small talk with him. He knows he's bitten at that point, um, and he dies on his own overnight and you know you you get back in there in the room ellie opens the door and he's he's doing the the shaky kind of runner thing and he's turned um it's really just sad it's it's really really sad but it kind of shows i suppose it's supposed to show a parallel of like sam and henry they're this pair um they are actually father and son aren't they i think so um of like a pair that didn't make it and then you've got the pair that did with joel and ellie so um, but when Henry's talking about like he he shoots Sam off of Ellie, and if you if you know it's very quick, but if you notice, there's a really good amount of detail, and again, this has comes with the new animations and graphics put into um, Henry's face. Um, I think he what does he say? I think he says like it it, it was is is your fault, and he's pointing his gun at. Joel, Joel's like, you know, putting his hands up of like, hey, I won't do anything, don't do it. And then in just a moment of panic and freak out and there was probably loads of stuff that was going through his head at that point. He just instantly decides, I, I can't like I can't do it. I can't do it. My my son is I've had to just shoot my son and I you know, it, it, he thinks of it because he's pointing the gun at Joel. But I don't think he's saying to Joel this was your fault. He's saying that about himself. But he's kind of using in the moment to point it at um, Joel. In order to... in order, I guess in order to not stop him from shooting himself. So, again, it's, 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 it's really, really sad. This brings up another point for me. And it, again, I'm going to get into the, the human condition part of this in a minute. Um... In terms of not not Joel's fatherhood, but his human condition, I suppose. And one thing that's kind of interesting, kind of squashed, but very interesting about Joel is any time anybody mentions to Joel about a traumatic thing that's happened. So either whether it's about Sarah, whether it's about obviously Sarah's a more touchy subject, um, or if it's about Tess, or if it's about Sam and Henry, and. Joel a good few times throughout this game turns to Ellie where it could be during gameplay it could be during cutscenes and says to Ellie like it's just best to not 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 let it get to you it's just best not to let it get to you 
Um, that's his way of like, because Joel's kind of method, and I suppose this was kind of not his learning curve, but his sort of his post-traumatic way of dealing with emotion. Because if you look at his reaction, obviously, obviously Sarah means more to him than anybody anyway, because it's his daughter. She's his daughter. And you see the amount of emotion that pours out of Joel, obviously, for, for understandable reasons. But then if you look at the deaths later in the game, so w- whether it's Tess, whether it's um, Sam and Henry or some of the other characters. Because w- when you start that 20 year flash forward and Joel is this closed off, don't want to talk about it, get the job done, emotionless guy I think for him I think the the subject of death when it comes to Joel is just I can't bring my mind back to letting myself sort of feel because obviously he really really strongly experienced that in the worst way possible with Sarah so I think you know you jump 20 years and he's well he'll never get over Sarah's death but it's a point of like he's changed the way that he processes things emotionally and when it comes to some of the worst deaths in the series, so like, uh, well, not the worst deaths, but some of the uh, character-specific deaths, so Tess and Sam and Henry, obviously in the moment he's got that sort of like he's he's panicked that like is Henry going to shoot me? Like what's going to happen and all, all this kind of stuff. And with, with with Tess, it's a bit different contextually because it's already done at that point. So he is. Showing emotions in the moment because they're all they're dramatic moments, um, and with Tess you've got like people that are coming after them, and with Sam and Henry like one of them's got a gun and all this kind of stuff. So there's there's the dramatic tension with it, but um, the aftermath of those deaths. So whether whether it's like hey Ellie trying to prompt a conversation from Joel about like talking about Sarah or talking about Joel, uh, uh, talking about Tess or talking about Sam and Henry. It's just, nope, it's best to just not let it get to you. And I found that quite an interesting bit of development from him as well. And that them having these conversations throughout the game, whether they're optional conversations or whatever. Um, and interestingly, he opens up a little bit more at the end. There's a there's a photo thing, a photo scene um, later on with... Um, when, because there's this, there's this photo that is kind of floating through this game. There's a part where Tommy tries to give it to him at the the dam that that Tommy's got now, and he's like, "Nope, I just don't want it. We're gonna we're gonna move on. I want to have a chat with you." Obviously, it's about Ellie. Nope, we're just gonna move on. I'm gonna shut that emotion off. I cannot go back there. And I think you notice, like again, the animations, the visuals, and stuff. He doesn't even really want to look at Tommy when he's saying that to him. He doesn't want to look at the photo. He sees, obviously, like, okay, what's this thing my brother's giving to me? He doesn't want to look at it. He doesn't want to look at Tommy. He doesn't want to look at the photo. Just, nope, you you have to put that back. I cannot take this photo. Uh, You you have to take it because he he can't go back there, right? And it's understandable. Why would you want to go back there and experience that? But then once you go through most of the game and you're pretty much near the end at that point uh, because you're coming up to the hospital... And um, Ellie stops you for a moment and says, like, hey, I'm sorry about, like, Sarah. And I'm I'm really trying to, like, talk to you and kind of progress that conversation. And he hands the photo 
to Joe. I think he does take it on that on that occasion because you get the prompt to look at it again, and you can oh, the option is to put it away and not the option for back. Um, so you put it away, and he, he does put it in his pocket. Um, and he he again he doesn't sit there and talk about Sarah for five or ten minutes or whatever. It's just sort of thank you, Ellie. Thank you for like caring and and all all this kind of stuff and sort of i i'm more open to talking to you about it because we've been on this journey we've connected you're now by that point he was she was solidly his daughter figure they were father and daughter figures completely at that point they had fully developed that relationship um so i guess that was where his he was more comfortable with that i suppose um so there's that aspect as well so that's kind of that's kind of the the human condition stuff. Obviously, you got like the the main stuff, which is like human surviving and and all that sort of thing. I might do, I might do a separate podcast on the Last of Us's take on the human condition because that's like a whole other topic to delve into. Again, in terms of my podcast for the world of the Last of Us, we we got a lot of content to make. We got a lot of stuff to do, so no shortage of that. But all in good time, and Joel's fatherhood. Um, a few more things to talk about here. Um, Joel and Tommy's past. This deserves its own DLC. I did an episode a few years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago or so, after Last of Us Part 2 came out, and the question arose in terms of, um, okay, what what's next for The Last of Us? Could you do something with Abby? Could you do anything else with Ellie? Could you do a Part 3? What could you do? And one of the requests that's been made by the community for either like a DLC of some kind, like some sort of like left behind type DLC, is can we go through an experience? Because a lot, there's a lot that's hinted at about like the bad things that Joel did, and obviously he was a broken man at that point. That was after Sarah's death initially, and he joined the Fireflies and he did some bad stuff. Um, and there's there's a history with Tom and uh, um, Joel and Tommy there. Um, yeah, that would be that would be a whole another like set of things to explore in terms of Joel and and more so with Tommy as well. It would give Tommy a more character development as well, I think. So that would be great. That would be great. Um, again, that's something that could have its whole podcast. Um, what I would prefer to do with that as a topic is actually have the DLC come out and talk about instead of talking about it and speculating in terms of like what they probably went through. What would be a better way for me to to discuss that is actually to have that created as a DLC, which obviously is not up to me, that's up to Naughty Dog. For Naughty Dog to do that, instead of me doing a podcast talking about like what they could have gone through, it would be better for me to do that as a review, um, probably, in terms of like, okay, the, experiencing it and like this was what they actually went through and all this kind of stuff. So I'll pin that one for now, see what I can do with that one, but again, we have... We have <laughs> We have so many things we could talk about. Uh, last thing I've talked about here. Um, Joel's choice and Ellie says okay. So my opinion has changed slightly since I did the episode which was called... Uh, I think it was a Joel character spotlight and Joel's choice. Um, Joel's choice here which is for the series a very defining moment. You know, does he let these doctors do the surgery? Um, which... See, when I did the discussion topic at the time, um, I had it in my mind as the surgery would still kill Ellie, but it would maybe make a cure. 
they do say in this game, and this was something I needed to be reminded on, which is why I'm bringing it up here, that, because Jer Jerry does say, obviously, you go into that room and you pick whatever gun. If you let Jerry speak uh, in that scene, he says, like, think of all the lives we'll save. Like, him and the other doctors are very, very certain on, like, if we take, because I think it's to do with, like, taking part of a, a part of Ellie's brain, which will kill her, but you'll get the, um cure for the is it the cordyceps i think it's called virus which is the actual name of the zombie virus um so my perspective on that has changed a little bit because my initial take on that was the option for joel and again this is joel's choice of because even in that moment right even when jerry like holds up the scalpel because it's what he's got and he's like hey this is your last chance don't do this please please just walk away and think of all the lives it will save that's kind of what he's trying to say to joel um, they they give a much more definitive answer in this game um, about like because w when I did that discussion topic it was after I played part 2 and obviously they bring up that discussion because uh, it's obviously to do with Abby as well with the whole Jerry situation they do kind of definitively say that like no if you let us do this surgery again if you don't kill us all um, we will be able to get this cure but again, if you put your if you put your mind, and this this is where it's just, it, it is kind of a grey area topic because you got the two options, which is do you kill a young girl who, and this is where it gets into Ellie's choice. And I could, I could do a whole podcast on that as well, I suppose. Is as far as we know, what's shown on screen for Ellie, because after she almost drowns, she's like passed out. She, there isn't a scene where she's told, like woken up and told, hey, this is what we've discovered. We'll give you the choice of like, you have to die for us to get this cure, but it will like be able to cure things and hopefully change the world. Or you can have the choice of walking away now that you know what, what will happen. Um... Because there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of dialogue as well in this game about because um, this this is when they're in the the school is it it's the bit with the monkeys and that and you're in the, the science lab and all that type of stuff and Ellie asks Joel and she says like hey so when we get there like what exactly will they do how will they test it and Joel's mind at the time was like oh they'll probably just like draw some blood and do some blood tests which is usually how you test people for stuff right it's usually how you test for viruses and you know, from, from blood samples. So that was what was on Joel's mind. In terms of like, okay, when we get there, what will actually happen? And Ellie doesn't know. Joel doesn't know. The only thing they have in their mind, in their mind for the two of them at a point, is we're going to get there and just see what's going on. But they get there in the state where they've had that accident. They both nearly drowned. He's trying to do the resuscitate. He's trying to like wake Ellie back up. He's almost back in like the same scene with Sarah. As well there's maybe some parallels to, to draw there. About maybe losing his daughter figure again. Because uh, as I mentioned a minute ago. That's where his daughter-father relationship is fully formed with Ellie. By that point. Probably even before that. But definitely by that point. But there isn't a scene where Jerry or Marlene or somebody is. Has Ellie you know sat up or whatever. And is explaining the situation to her. So I think also for Joel, because Joel's the one that you're controlling and, and all that type of stuff, um, Ellie doesn't really get a say, per se. The whole thing at the point 
is um for, for in Joel's mind I can either kill these people these people don't mean anything to me I'm here for my daughter my 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 daughter figure my my daughter here um this this daughter that I've adopted through this journey I'm here for her I'm here for like cuz by that point Marlena's Marlena explained it to him of like hey I'm sorry like this is just what's kind of happening and again I can dig into that a bit more if I do a Marlena character spotlight uh, I could probably do a Jerry one as well, uh, to be honest, because um, there's some discussion to to be had about him. Um, it's for for Joel. It's like either I get in this room and stop them from killing my daughter and making a cure, because his his head is clouded with judgment of instead of him thinking about the option of the cure. The problem for Joel with the option of the cure is. If that happens, I will lose my daughter figure. And even in that scene, he's still wearing the watch. He's still wearing the wounds of Sarah on his watch. He carries that with him. Wears it on him. That's still there. That's a big, big, big part of his character and big part of his life. So to Joel, the answer simply is, no, you're not going to kill this young girl. Who not only has not been given her own choice... But um, you've kind of, to him, the Doctors and Fireflies and Marlena have taken over the situation and they have said to Joel, you have to leave. Um, This girl's life is going to end, but we are going to get a cure for it. Um, Because as opposed to to the Fireflies, to Jerry and to Marlena, it's more of like, um, sacrifice the one to, I think it's sacrifice the one to save the many, is it? Um, But for, for Joel, I suppose... It's, this world already took a daughter from me, through a situation I had no control in. I'm not going to let that happen again. And these people mean nothing to me. Jerry means nothing to me. He doesn't know that that's Jerry's name, that Jerry is the the doctor's name. Jerry means nothing to me. These soldiers mean nothing to me. These doctors mean nothing to me. Um, I'm here for Ellie. I'm taking Ellie away. And again, if you bring up the fatherhood, the human condition and everything like that, it, it all ties in. So so well, it's it's uh, okay because the the whole subject thing is like okay for for anyone to answer the question, what is the right and the wrong thing to do? Do you in this world sacrifice a young girl who's not been given her own choice, but you get the cure which could save millions of lives? Okay, the saving millions of lives is is the only benefit of that, but the big big con part of that because you've got the con and the pro the the pro part of that is you save millions of lives potentially um but the big con part of that is you're killing a young girl who's not been given that choice she knew she was going there because of her immunity but she didn't know what was going to happen and she's not given a choice at any point and that's where joel sides with ellie in a way of like no i'm not going to let you kill this girl like this, like to Joel, it's sort of why would I give this world a virus, uh, not a virus? Why would I give this world a cure? This world already took something from me. Why would I let this world take something from me again in exchange for helping the world that already took something from me, which is another daughter figure? That's very, very important. So, is there a right answer here? Is there a wrong answer here? Again, it's a gray area thing. Um, to me, my perspective on it. If I take away, like, what's happened to Joel... If I'm putting myself in Joel's boots, I suppose. 
you don't kill Ellie. Because one of the problems, what one of the flawed parts of the pros that, that I mentioned, which is that you get the cure to save everybody, how do you distribute that in this type of world? You don't have a functioning society, you don't have a functioning world. Like when um, COVID was in its height and we some of us were getting vaccines and stuff, we had a functioning society, a functioning, you know, community of people. And it was organised and it was done properly and you could go, you could book your thing through a normal, you know, real, uh, properly run world situation. And you could go and you could get your COVID vaccine. You can't arrange that in this type of world. I mean, you're even past, like, because Fedra's probably collapsed at that point, right? The fireflies are basically collapsed. There is no more sort of, there is no group that would sort of even be able to, like, how would you even distribute that? The fireflies can't really distribute that. They're all kind of dead. Um, <laughs> granted, Joel kills a bunch of them here, but because um, you'd probably get things like let, let let's say there was they somehow did an announcement and said like, hey, we now have the cure for humanity here. You'd probably get people d- it, it, within the context of this world in, in the Last of Us's world. You'll just get people killing each other for cures, which will just result in more deaths. So the Pro has an asterisk next to it, which is okay. That's a great idea, get a cure to save millions of lives, but it's not going to work the way that you think it's going to. You don't have a functioning society where you can distribute that, because people are going to be killing each other. Because if you've got a situation where like some guy is looking at some other guy, and he's like, "Hey, we you have to wait for your cure because we have to distribute them," he's gonna be like, "No, I don't know who you are. We're in this lawlessness type world. I'm gonna kill you and I'm gonna take your cure." <laughs> you know, or if you've got a, a situation where, like, hey, my wife is at home, she's been bitten or something, I'm gonna, I don't care about about you. We're in a lawlessness. I'm not gonna be like arrested for it. You know, it's very much a situation where, um, no, I don't care about you. We're in a lawlessness situation. I'm not gonna get in trouble for killing you. I'm just gonna kill. I'm not gonna wait for my cure. My 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 wife or son or daughter or whoever or my friend is has been bitten. He he might turn. I'm just going to kill you and take the cure. So that would just result in, in in that madness happening. And the worst part about that is to get to that scenario, you've sacrificed a 14-year-old girl who's not been given a choice. So ultimately, if you break all, it, all of it down like that, Joel's made the right choice. Because you're not really going to improve this world with the addition of a cure because again how do you distribute that people are going to kill each other for the cure and you can let this young 14 year old girl who hasn't been given a choice survive and thrive to the best in whatever way she can and at least let her live you know as long as she can survive in this world give give her that life um so, so to me i kind of agree with joel in in that way again there's there's like things to that and yeah he killed all these soldiers and stuff but to him these are just red shirt soldiers that are in the way of his daughter figure so that's that's the way to break that down uh my last point here uh this might be my longest review i've ever done <laughs> um i knew this was going to be long so never mind um ellie says okay um obviously this gets explored a bit more in part two where she actually goes back to the hospital and she finds the tape recorder and she finds out the truth um the interpretation of the of the ending of the game um 
I don't think that, like, if you were to ask me, sort of, okay, what do you think of her saying okay? I think sim- there could be more depth to this than what I'm giving this at the moment. To me, that's her. She's badgering Joel, right? She, she's like, she's laid down in that car at the back, and he, he's lied to her and said about like there was, the, you know, there was no, um, there, there was others like you because he doesn't say there's no cure. He says that in part two, there was no cure. Um, but he's explained to her in the car of like, okay, your life does obviously mean something, but, um. There was just others like you. Like we we don't uh, you we didn't need to specifically choose you for it. There were others like you, so they just ran some tests, which is a um, not a generic thing for Joel to say, but a sort of simpler way for Joel to put it. It was just, hey, they ran some tests. There are loads of others like you, so we just didn't need to choose you for it. And Ellie is just in this. It, it, I think Ellie is just in a state of confusion of like, well, not in a state of confusion, but in a state of sort of, you know. What do I do with that information? Like, I'm not sure how to feel about that. I think her saying okay at the end is kind of just okay. I've 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 pushed you here, and like, because she says, "Swear to me, everything you told me about the fireflies is true." And he says, "Um, I swear." And then she just says, "Okay." Um, I don't think that I don't think you're supposed to take that as a sort of um definitive reaction to a definitive answer to his response i think you're supposed to take that as a sort of okay that's what you're going with i'm gonna sit on that for a long long time because that's something that she's going to be thinking about for the rest of her life um what this man decided to choose or what he decided to tell her um but uh but yeah, I think that's just, okay, I pushed you for an answer. That's the one that you're definitively going to give me. And then that's that's kind of just, it's sort of like we'll put a pin in Ellie's response. Give her time to think and process about that. And then let's explore more in part two. I think that's the way I kind of interpreted that anyway. So um, anyway, that's, uh, that's my review of The Last of Us Part 1. I am actually out of time. Um, I timed this pretty well. Uh, an hour and 42 minutes. <laughs> For my review, uh, lots and lots of things to say, lots of themes, lots of characters, lots of interesting stuff to get into, lots of stuff about Joel as well. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> so uh, I've already said how you can write in if you want a reminder for that. Matthew at Entertainment Talk the Dog, Twitter E Talk UK, contact page, information in show notes, uh, email box on the website version of the episode, and a clickable email name in your show notes. As well, um, <clears throat> that's it for now. I've already done all the outro. Said where you can find all of our stuff: entertainment, talk the dog, podcast platforms, uh, TV, games, films, May night podcasts. If you stayed here for this entire time and you listened to everything I have to say, thank you very, very much for that. I very much appreciate your time. Um, you know, this is one of my longer, longer, longer episodes, so I really, really appreciate your time uh, with that. Um, so, thank you so much for for listening. If you have done to this point. Um, it's uh that's awesome of you thank you very much for doing that um but yeah please give me some give me some feedback i've said a lot of things here what do you make of joel's kind of journey and everything what do you make of the journey of this game it's an incredible game it's an absolute incredible story um just to tease an upcoming episode i will be at some point talking about why this is the best story in gaming and when i say best story in gaming i'm talking about the combination of last of us part one part two 
and left behind um so i'll be i'll be doing that at some point so look out for that uh what i might try and do to space these episodes out a little bit part one review today for this week um i would like to go through left behind one more time as well so i might pin that review for now just because I want to, I've only, I've actually only gone through that once. Because that, that time when you saw me playing it on Twitch, getting the platinum, that's the first time I played Left Behind. So I'm gonna do like a no collectibles thing for that. Go through the story again and uh, take in some more stuff for that. I already have some things I want to say, but just to just to go through it one more time with my playthrough and everything like that. So uh, look out for that in the future. Uh, and then I'll do the best story uh, in gaming thing. So what I might do is save those two podcasts until I've done my second run through of left behind and then i can kind of do the left behind review so that'll be more fresher in my mind and then after i've done that i'll do the uh best story in gaming podcast as well so all in good time all in good time got a lot of brainstorming still to do got to play through the games again um because i'll be playing through on twitch and on youtube um the last of us part one and then left behind so once i've done that i'll do left behind review and then i'll do the uh additional podcast so i don't know if it'll be week after week for those because it'll take me some time to do those things but all in good time again thank you very very much for listening to this long long podcast uh and i'll catch you next time thank you very much and i'll catch you next time goodbye